That is the Lorne Michaels to Dale's Will Farrell and my John Lovitz. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast Milestone Episode 190. The Big 9 1. Welcome to the show. Paperkeg.com. We talk about comic books together. Three fathers. All the time in the world. It's all the time to read and read. Now, this entire episode will be devoted to Miracle Man, Volumes 1 and 2. Four issues 1 through 10. If you read the singles and refused to be told what was in the trades. Speaking of which, our first host, he is a writer. Just gonna throw that out there right now. You're listening for the first time, you have cred on this show. He's a writer. Unpublished. Jonesy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I have written north of 10,000 whole tweets. And about six Tumblr posts. So as published as I can be, I sit before you, uh, not so silently judged by our editor in chief at Slim on the Twitter. The, uh, the one, that one Tumblr article, what was it, Jonesy? Man, it was the one where you berated Comcast into nothing. They, they did nothing for me. You tried to break Comcast. I did. I tried so desperately tried. to get some social media. Boy, uh, what do you call that? Uh, momentum. Yeah, they and, call uh, that the. Uh, yeah. I was inert, very inert. They call that the Lark Mombardi. <laughs> you, although I would say my guilt factor was super. You high. bathed in the Twitter shame. You covered yourself in it. Oh man, it was intense. I, I, I felt uncomfortable. I put the lotion on the skin. Is what I did. But I did get the hose again from Comcast multiple times. Uh, <laughs> if it's any consolation. Yeah, if it's any consolation, that did nothing for me and convinced me that Twitter shaming is, in fact, useless. Uh, thanks for being here. It's a treat having you, as always. It's a treat being part of your life, uh, the small part you allow me to be. Now, next host, for whom I've opened every inch of my heart and life to... He's VP of Merch, Fave Phenom. This guy gets more faves than Comcast gets Twitter shamed. <laughs> oh man, if that's possible, I don't know if it is or not. A number, a number approaching. Infinity. We'll check the numbers. The numbers, the numbers are in. They have been in before, and that's probably. Yeah. I mean, it could be true. Uh, Dale underscore A, Silver Fox. Welcome back to the show. 
Thank you. I am long overdue to get my hair cut, but you know, we'll, we'll cross that road when I have the gumption yeah. to cross that road. Big show tonight. My apartment might get blown away. Just FYI, there's some kind of historic windstorm happening right next to my recording studio, a.k.a. the kitchen, a.k.a. <laughs> the kitchen table. A.K.A. the utensil crock over your right shoulder. <laughs> Spatula. That's the mysterious fourth host. That kitchen crock. Right. <laughs> so this whole episode is going to be a book club app. A lot of lot yeah. of talk about whether or not this would be a book club app. A lot of internal debate. But we're going to do it. Gee damn it. When it was when we were going to record on Thursday, life spoilers, it was going to be a book club app. Technically. There were some extra days to read some more books, technically, but, you know, let's just mail this one in, guys. And In the biz, they call this phoning it in. And pick ourselves back up for next, next episode. Next episode's going to be great. Going to be a doozy. Full disclosure, I finished this Thursday, so I don't remember anything that happened in issue 1 through 10 of Miracle Man. It's a good thing we're doing a whole hour on it, then. <laughs> Oh gosh! Possibly the shortest episode of Paper Gate history. Listen, right listen, before the I'm biggest, just saying. Right before the biggest. I'm just saying. The end of March. That's all I'm oh saying right now. What That's all I'm saying. saying. The end of March. Like, are we still teasing it? Or let's Slim. just let's just lay it down, Jonesy. Can we lay it just down? Just the end of March. I'm there. That's all I can say. Cold concrete. <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> oh man. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh let's maybe we should get right into it. You know, we're on a high. The flap returned to twenty fifteen, our first episode of a fatherhood podcast that Dale and I do since twenty fourteen. And there was only one episode in all of twenty fourteen. So please yeah. search that on the iTunes or whatever podcatcher you have. Please. Yeah, it was a big episode. I think we're, you know, I think the momentum is possibly there. Going to try to start thinking of things that happen in life, random. Say, you know what? Let me store this in the old flap bank. <laughs> can you say that on the podcast? We'll talk about I don't it. know if you can. Is that G-rated? Flap bank? I, we're going to get that in post, <laughs> Slim. So this is the power of, this is the power of, uh, recording. Which reminds podcasts. me, we're one week removed before we get into the book club app. Miracle Man, 1 through 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're still on a high from last week's episode that you hosted. How do you feel? What's your state of mind uh, uh, seven days removed from hosting Paper Keg? Tell me your thoughts on that. You know, it, it was, it's, it's all in the training, really. It's, you know, you look at one, you tackle one thing at a time. And as soon as that episode was over, I had to start looking to, towards the Miracle Man episode. We had 1 through 10 to read. Ten issues, um, and four nights, three of which I fell asleep reading Miracle Man one through ten. So it's it was it's all about your mind space and I mean, where at some that point, is. Del, you must have just let the skills take over. You know what I mean? And what you weren't even it, in your it, own head. Yeah, the skills, the skills of me uh, using my two hands to keep the the hardcover book propped up on my hands while my eyes are closed for at least an hour while uh, Hawaii Five-0 was on and my wife was watching that. I mean, it just, so, so one, one week removed, I mean, 
that was a great I'm I trust it was a great episode. It was, it was fantastic. I couldn't listen to myself I couldn't listen to myself yeah. hosting an episode sure. of Paper Cake. I can say, you know, coming from that and playing the sound all the sounders on my end. I mean, Slim, you have a lot to deal with over there. As soon as the uh namely, as soon as the typewriter started for the letter segment, I mean, all my audio was chopped up. I couldn't hear the wonderful letter oh. as read as mailed in by uh our friend who broke down Sandman Volume Two for us? I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. tough. It was speaking tough. of which, uh, breaking news: Episode One Ninety Two. Jonesy will be hosting the show. Yeah, did we? Wow. Giving him the lead time. Episode One Ninety Two. Congratulations wow, to Jonesy. Jonesy. Big moment for you. I'm really excited to listen to it. Because I Jonesy, had thought that Dale news. and I discussed off air that we would hoist it on your petard, and you would be <laughs> picking the books. If there's one thing I can't stand on a podcast, it's petard hoisting. So let's just cool out right now. Slim doesn't I stand, won't stand for, that. for it. He doesn't stand. We need to get into the book club. Miracle Man, often yeah. called the greatest comic book of our generation. By whom? Who who are these people? <laughs> My word, Jonesy. Jonesy is getting fierce right now, and we haven't even talked about the description yeah. of the book. Miracle Man, one of the greatest books ever written, oh, art, uh, drawn. Uh, not on a lot of people's radar because it wasn't in print for like 20 years due to some legal snafus. Quote, air quotes. Jonesy, what is Miracle Man? Miracle Man. He is a uh, 1940s slash 50s era answer to Shazam and Captain Marvel. He is a super-powered do-gooder. All right? He's got atomic powers that he received... From a uh, scientist turned wizard who understands the uh, underpinnings of the universe, and he gives him a phrase that will give him atomic powers. It, and uh, that phrase is Kitoma. Kitoma. Or atomic backwards. Komoda? I can't <laughs> even do it. I'm just gonna let you pull yourself you out of that you one. You could have written that word on a legal pad, and I still would have gotten it wrong Ketoma. fifteen times. Ketoma. Amatic. <laughs> Why do we let me do these again? I'll tell you what. In one ninety two, Slim is doing the uh, synopsizing. I'm, using, oh, okay. I'm already hoitzing my powers for evil. All right. So, Miracle Man also has a miracle family. You know, Kid Miracle Man. And uh, the rest who are <laughs> young, young miracle did man. Did even finish this book? <laughs> ten issues. You had a week and a half. One to through do ten. You had my commitment that I read issues one through ten. So <laughs> little do you know, though, that these secret superheroes, while they approach a satellite, yeah, they're going to approach a satellite, what other evil... Um, Rogue's gallery is going to blow up the Earth. So they fly out there in space with their atomic powers. A An explosion occurs, and they are not seen from again. Flash forward to 1981, where Michael Moran, uh, you know, average Joe Schlepp, uh, is covering, uh, you know, he's a member of the press. He's going to cover the story. There's an explosion, and he's Miracle Man. He's just forgotten it for the last couple decades. And that jumps off a new saga of a miracle man that is not what he seemed. You know, he's not pleasant or present rather in uh, you know, the people's memory. 
Uh, people don't know who he is. He can't really clearly remember his history. And when he presents them to his then wife, she laughs it off. That stuff is ridiculous. There are no such thing as these weird super powered Marvel family or miracle family. Excuse me. They didn't exist. So we progress on to find the kid kid not young but kid miracle man is still alive and still in his powered form he survived the explosion and he's still a captain marvel form like he never revert reverted back to the billy batson of this universe so that has twisted him over the years he confronts mike moran they battle and he eventually is uh is subdued and locked in his own mind then the second arc Issues 1 to 10, second arc, second trade, if you will, uh, revolves around what is the secret origin of this miracle man? And come to find out that this is a result of the experimentation of alien technology. At some point, the, you know, we were visited by uh, an otherworlder alien. We took his technology, which was essentially you can clone yourself, but in the process, the clone becomes a perfect version or a super version of you. And the technology allows you to switch. And, uh, you know, you have like a mechanical device activated by a code word, Kamota, in this uh, instance. And you can switch to this perfect version, this super version of yourself. And the only way for the human mind to accept this as a reality without rebelling is to trick it into a story that it, it will believe or it will accept as the reason for the second person. And this is how we got the backstory of the comic book era. Miracle Man is nothing but a front a trick to keep the second mind asleep. And that is where we kind of end the second volume. Uh, Mike Moran knows who he is, knows who made him this way. And now he is potentially leading a new life in a new direction, finally control of himself and his powers. And by the way, his wife also was pregnant by the second perfect version of himself. Spoilers. <laughs> so volume volume one was a dream of flying, and volume two was the Red King syndrome. So those were the ones that we read. And the page count of these things were like eight Swamp Thing trades in one. Gargantuan. But it's weird because mm. they're reprints of... Well, they're not just reprints. They're recolored versions of books that were printed as Miracle Man. And those, the first five issues, in turn, were collected versions of something that appeared in a magazine. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the process of the, just the, these, what we're reading today, how it came about, is very confusing. Yeah. yeah, if you want to be fascinated, read the wiki on Miracle Man, which will take you to the uh, page for Marvel Man which uh, started out as Captain Marvel and DC sued and each and this uh, guy over in England who was printing printing these up on the cheap changed it to Marvel Man changed it to Miracle Man and so the um, it was a uh, what was the, what's the name a collect a collected collection of stories each each week or each month and it was called Warrior and that's what these Miracle Man stories were originally mm-hmm. collected. And I in. guess the best way to think about it, because I was very confused reading the trade, because 
the table of contents just confuse you even more because it tells you what issue is in this trade, but it gives you the dates. And sometimes the issues are out of order. So you're left to wonder why are they pre- presenting issues out of order and what are the titles of these books that are being collected because it's not Miracle Man. So I'll, I'd almost prefer that I never read the table of contents going in. So if you're thinking about it, the best mm-hmm. way to think about this is, let's say Superman was a character in the 50s and then he stopped in the 60s. And then Alan Moore got a hold of the Superman character in the 80s and said, you know what, I'm going to write an awesome story about why he was missing and what's the real story behind Superman, which in your head is, okay, I want to read that right now because that sounds amazing. And Mm -hmm. so Alan Moore wrote the first like 16 or 18 issues of this, and then Neil Gaiman flipped it on its head and wrote the rest, which is highly regarded as, you know, it makes the Alan Moore stuff kind of look like stepping stones. But with that said, the um, background story, I just finished Sw- Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. So I'm on an Alan Moore 80s high right now. And this book just did not compare mm-hmm. at all for me. It was like mm. not even a taste of what Alan Moore's Swamp Thing was. You I could have thought this was a different writer. Because he actually wrote this before he did Swamp Thing. But to most people, this came out after Swamp Thing, the way it was collected. You know, when I first started to read this, I'm like, Alan Moore, superhero stories. Am I getting the next Tom Strong here? Am I getting Watchmen? Is this a a new discovered great that, you know, I'm going to love? Like, I had some pretty high expectations, perhaps too high, as it were. Because while the premise was unique... I didn't feel that the execution was near Alan Moore's level of talent. And before everyone, you know, goes transmit on me and throws their iPod or, or recording devices out of their moving vehicles, let me explain. This is all of the trappings of Alan Moore that you've seen before, but it doesn't have the payoff that you've come to expect. I mean... Alan Moore treats women badly. You know, Alan Moore uh, is basically self-inserting himself into the the role of Mike Moran. I mean, there's a lot of Alan Moore things, Alan Moore-ish things about this book that on the other side of, you're used to having these incredible payoffs. And I will point to, like, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is my biggest example, like, Anytime you felt this book was pandering or getting too uh, Mary Sue, there would be some big reveal or some big plot point where you're like, wow, this is well written. And I just didn't find that here. I thought that the the alien stuff was kind of an easy out that he took. And uh, while I did like the pseudoscience of how you got a Shazam-type hero in a Marvel universe you know it's kind of a more scientific universe i wasn't blown away and i'm used to being absolutely stunned and blown away by alan moore so maybe it's alan moore's fault as we sit here it's his fault for being too gd good in other titles that miracle man really Mm -hmm. wasn't that much of a showstopper and that's sad saying i've come i'm I'm used to that quality such high standard that I, i can't even judge this 
as probably what, what everybody thinks is a great title compared to, you know, Joe Schmo superhero comic book. This is a masterpiece. But maybe I'm just too, maybe there's a stick too far, you know, where for me to appreciate this for what it was. I mean, the pressure of just on the amount, the surplus of um, replies to our show announcement tweet compared to other show announcement tweets, people finding out they were doing Miracle Man. I mean, everybody's just like vomiting all over themselves because they can't believe it's about to happen. Like it's re- like Michael Jackson chuts took the stage and we're all going to start weeping. Um, it, yeah, it was... I have I have so many thoughts, and some of them good, some of them bad. But the first, tr- I mean, first volume in particular, I honestly felt like th- this was one of the first times I really felt that this was a story that needed no pictures, just because whatever was being told, whatever I was reading, was enough words for a, a, a short story, but also it was just. I I just felt like this the pictures didn't add anything and and the art was absolutely gorgeous it was meticulous in the first trade but I just I honestly felt like it was overshadowed by this tr- attempt at trying to tell this wordy story and I don't know I mean I, and I I can't judge and say that he was just like padding the story with words it's, it could be you know it's probably just the way he wrote it and i just this is how i'm taking the story in but it was it just felt like the the pictures didn't contribute anything as far as storytelling like the 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 monologue the narration everything was taken care of in yeah the book. i think i agree I th- maybe just the art just wasn't a fit for like um, this title, like I feel like the art of Sandman was a good fit, and maybe on any other book I wouldn't care for that art. Or same with Sandman, but this book didn't have mm-hmm. that same fit that I felt like. And actually, uh, when you mentioned meticulous, maybe you read that in that wiki, uh, Dale. But the art through one through five was is probably more meticulous on print and digital because it was printed on a large magazine format, so shrunk down it looks even more detailed. Oh, okay. Yeah, that make that explains it because the detail on these some of these mm-hmm. tiny panels are pretty incredible. And before we talk about volume two, probably the most shocking thing about reading this is that the artist that started, I think maybe on issue six and did the next few issues, his name like Chuck mm-hmm. Bob Chuck. He Chuck changed Beckham, his name to Chuck Austin, and that same Chuck Austin is the writer of the reviled X-Men run that what? I that I grew up on. He wrote X-Men after Graham Morrison left. And mm-hmm. X-Men fans, like lifelong X-Men fans, just hate that guy. So I had no idea that he was Isn't attached to anything else, especially what? as an artist. Yeah, so that like blew my mind. And the, I mean, just the litigation and the arguments of, of who had ownership of Miracle Man is is pretty incredible. Like Todd McFarlane had purchased the rights back in the early nineties and he was going to bring Miracle Man into spawn. And he even went so far as to create a Miracle Man action figure for like a con exclusive that was double packaged with a spawn figure. 
and, how, yeah, and did you and, read the rest of that story? He, well, he, he like brought a character called Man of Miracles in his spawn, and then eventually it turned out that the guy that sold it to Tom, the rights to Tom McFarlane never had the rights anyway, so his ooh. argument was like null and void. Ooh. Right. Yeah, so Todd McFarlane just totally didn't, he didn't own Miracle Man ever to begin with, and then like Neil Gaiman was at Todd McFarlane's throat saying that, um, Todd McFarlane never owned Neil Gaiman, or, or, uh, Miracle Man, and Neil Gaiman wrote 1602 for Marvel, and any proceeds, any royalties he got was put into a fund to help, like, research. And defend his, his rights for Miracle Man. And defend his rights because Gaiman wrote Miracle Man, you know, back before Todd McFarlane supposedly That's had insane. the rights. And like, in the, in the collected editions of 1602, which I'll have to check it, but it basically like, the, the foreword to Neil Ga- to uh, Todd McFarlane from Neil Gaiman is like, this one's for Todd for making it necessary to have to wow. do this or something like that. I was like, holy crap. And I think, I bet you that's why Angela is now, this has to be deal. part of the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah learn, finding but, the ins and outs, like if they ever made that litigation dealings public, how fascinating that would be, you know, how they all worked yeah. to get the, those characters and those rights back. I wonder if Neil and Todd are on but, speaking terms now. That being how far I, would removed. Think, I would think not. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I wonder how professional, like, the, you know, that side of it was, just the pursuant of legal, who had legal rights to it, and if they're still, I mean, I mean if I'm, like, I don't if know, I'm I don't even know. Todd and I paid money, I would think I owned something, but, you know, aside from being duped. But I don't know if I would, knowing after knowing I was duped, I don't know if I would fight that hard against the person who actually owned the rights. I don't know. Uh, it sounds like a crappy situation for both sides. Mm. And before anyone like... It's uh, like the Beatles oh. splitting up, guys. I feel pretty bad right now. <laughs> I want them to be friends. Before anyone props open Dale's mouth and drops their pants and takes a healthy steam, I will say that I probably will continue reading because of how much... Yes. I've read that Neil Gaiman's uh, shift on Miracle Man just set comics on its head. Like that, it it is held in such a high mm-hmm. regard that I feel like I have to continue now. Whereas I feel like, yes, I don't know about that as about Sandman. And I think some of the problems I had, like on the early going, is because of the different formats that it was presented in. Knowing that issue one through five was presented in such an odd way originally the flow of the story felt too fast. How he met Kid Miracle Man, like, super early, and then battled him uh, at what felt like issue two or three. And then that character is now, which I thought was a really cool fight. The writing of that was amazing. Oh, um, yeah. Stunning. It was, I, I, I loved the trade just as a an intro kind of story. Like, other than the kooky stuff i can't ever get into you know Mm. you know me but the fight i think was really well done the writing about i think like i think he compared him to a tiger the tiger smile like that stuff was just so good and and maybe i'm viewing that as a fault now but i'm almost positive that character returns later and so it probably wasn't a huge deal that that character was fought and dealt with so early in the run the um Mm-hmm. The shift in art was a definite shift. Like when uh, Chuck Austin came on, it was yeah very different and threw me for a loop. And I think even even because I think the first story in the second trade is somebody else, if not Gary Leach or whoever Dylan. did the first 
Steve Dillon, I think, might have done like a weird kind of one issue thing. Mm. But then when Chuck Austin picks it up, it's it's completely a different vibe mm. altogether. It, it it hasn't aged well. Like I felt like at all almost. Um, but just the overall presentation, I think, took away from the story for me. Having the, I mean, the first issue starts out with the old school version of Miracle Man. And then it does that really ominous zoom in on his eyeball, which I thought was awesome. But then they start adding in, oh yeah, yeah, you know, back issues and black and white versions. I almost would prefer that that stuff just kind of stays out of mind. I don't want to, I don't want to like read that stuff until I'm done the work. And it felt like it just took me out of it too much. Yeah, I had, I, I legitimately struggled, um, trying to get through the first quarter of the second trade. I did take two or three nights and I almost, admittedly so, I, I almost missed out on some pretty good story there because I was ready to just skip ahead or try a different tactic. But the last night I, I just went back and I was like, you know what? Let me just try this again before I fall asleep. And, I really enjoyed the parts of the second trade I liked, I really, really liked, and then there were the other parts I could have totally, completely done without, but when I went back and reread the origin issue of Dr., um, I want to I wanna call him Dr. Gazunga, like but that's, Garz- you know, I think man. it was Garzunga. Lingo. Or Gargunza. Garzunga. Um, sure. Just call him Gary. Gargunza, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Gargunza, I thought his, um, his fast, his backstory was fascinating and his, um, monologuing and narrating the entire story to Moran's wife. And the, um, he comes from Mexico. He was working for the Third Reich and then he was working for the, uh, Allies. It was very, very compelling stuff. And then it, it almost kind of makes him, not com- not like a hero, but not a. It makes him likable up until you figure you realize that he's you know as likable as you want him to be. He's still going to take this baby and implant his personality and in him into the baby so he can grow and be immortal and and not seek life. But when the panic set in because um, the the Miracle Man family was figuring out the dream machine that was keeping oh, man, them was under. Good. Yeah, that was tons of fun. Oh, the, and when the, uh, just the one line, the, over, the, the overline was like, uh, at this moment, Garzunga didn't care about being immortal. He cared about living for the next hour. And then like things just started happening and, and Miracle Man was like, they're what you're what is really cool technology, but it's, how they related it to the 60s, 60s when it was, but it was like this big circle monitor, like something you would see from, you know, the bunker where, uh, Zola yeah. is kept in Captain America 2. And, um, you could see the Miracle family, like, figuring out dreams in real time, and they're getting ready to wake up and come back to consciousness. It was, re- it was really great stuff. I loved it. And then when, um, he, le- he set, um, Doctor or not, Doctor Cream, <laughs> Evelyn, Evelyn Cream, <laughs> Mister Evelyn Cream, and uh, Mickey Moran out into the wilderness as his poodle turned miracle dog hunted them. I really liked that stuff. I yeah, really, the, really did. The art 
for that issue, I feel like the the work that was put into it was great, and the planning and the panel planning was great. The part where he he changes back to Miracle Man and he flies to where Gary is, Gargunza, and it's the same view from Miracle <laughs> Man for like four panels in a row, and it's just the objects are coming closer to him, and he's destroying them. I thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And when he takes, when he takes the doctor by the neck and just brings him up into the upper atmosphere, like what a way to mm-hmm. kill a guy. I mean, holy, that's power. That is godlike. He kisses him up there too. Amazing. Yeah, you just saw bets are off when it comes to Miracle <laughs> Man. You guys are backpedaling something fierce here. You guys are in love with this book. Just because we liked one or two well, issues, Jonesy, doesn't mean it compares yeah. to the work. And when, we're, and when I was saying, like, the stuff I liked, I really liked, and I really want to continue on, even with the Alan Moore stuff. I mean, when they got into the uh, the David Attenborough time or the Lifetime channel of uh, Mir- Miracle Man getting to deliver his own baby live on screen for the world to see as uh, Mrs. Moran's Labes <laughs> the G... <laughs> infant miracle baby head coming out of an open baby making canal i mean boy oh you want to talk about blushing i couldn't when i was reading those couple pages i couldn't read what was on the left hand side of the page because i just couldn't keep staring i couldn't stop staring at the absurdity that was happening on the right hand side i think of the that's book. part of what we miss out on growing up with this and knowing the impact this book had on comics at the time you know I feel mm-hmm. like that would have held more of an impact if I didn't hear, because I've heard about that issue before and how. Oh, uh, I've never. Uh, I did, and and reading in the hardback, the hardcover, where it's like not one page at a time on my iPad. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't read what was on the left hand side of the book because on the right is a human baby's head sticking out of a woman as they celebrate. And just let the baby just kind of do its own thing out of the open legs of a, of a mother. I mean, it was mm-hmm. distracting. That was, that was real human uh, human body glide. That was pouring out. <laughs> that was Miracle Man's red gloves, red superhero gloves, covered <laughs> in the humanness of what was happening. Oh boy, the beauty there of some, it all. Some other parts that I thought were really great. The the laboratory where they watch the video, I can't remember what they call it. It was like the video drone or like, and these dudes just referenced it like it wasn't some kind of co- like crazy name, like the video dome. And, um, they showed the, the skeleton body of young miracle man because he merged with his regular self and his clone. So their skeleton is just some freaky looking double skeleton on display. Like I want to, I want to know more about that. Oh my God. And, I didn't even know. I, honest to God, that's one of the parts I didn't understand. I understand when the cleaning crew came in and they were going to clean the place. I, honest to God, didn't know that was Young Miracle Man's. Yeah, because I think skeleton. his like that cloning stuff. I was completely oh, okay. missed. Yeah, his death. They show. I think because even Miracle Man alluded to like two bodies fused as one. That's the only reference that reference point I had from like that first or second issue, and that's how he died. Because I guess they both tried to occupy the same space at the same time. So I'm I'm anxious to see more about that character. And I just have this ominous feeling. And I know that the character comes back. And everyone that's read it is probably like laughing. But 
when Kid Miracle mm-hmm. Man comes back, I just fear for everyone involved. Just every person <laughs> involved in this comic book, I fear for. So that's part of the reason why I want to keep reading because I want to see what happens when he gets out. Yeah, I, I actually um, pre-ordered the next book that's coming out in, uh, I think, March mm-hmm. or April. But I was like, I, I, I don't want to stop reading. Like, yeah, maybe we are backpedaling and maybe the beginning of the uh, podcast probably sounds a little more ominous and people had turned it off by that time because they couldn't stand our smack talk of Miracle Man. But by the end, I mean, by the end, the second trade I really liked, but the stuff, but just the stuff that I couldn't get into, man, it just it was a complete mm-hmm. turn off. Jones, you haven't said a whole lot. Is okay. because that you, you refused to backpedal on this one? No, I mean, uh, listen, my middle name could be backpedaler. I mean, at this yeah. point. Uh, the Mitt Romney of comic podcasts. <laughs> oh my God, what? I don't even know how to answer that comment. Uh, I mean, what you guys are saying, not to go all Mark Farrington on you right now, but everything you guys are saying are absolutely right. Uh, no. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, though, if I get that same feeling that I want to continue uh, based on what I read, and especially the last issue... I felt it was definitely taking a beat, which is the the issue where you realize that the aliens have returned and they want to find out, you know, what has become of their final comrade and their technology. And it just, like I said, that God, oh, you just just reminded me about those two aliens. Like they, everything about those two were kind of cool with their accents, how they were trying to mimic like human conversation and it was totally not working for them but it was kind of chuckly and cool at the same time and they're they're trying to hunt down all the basically rogue clones of this whatever they're they could find traces of they in a miracle being they want to to hunt down go ahead no no absolutely fine sorry uh, so, I mean, the stuff you guys said about, uh, Gaiman's run, I, I didn't know. So I didn't know that his take on Miracle Man is so well regarded. And that kind of what it makes me give it a second shot. But, I mean, I would have been perfectly fine if that issue was omitted. And this was maybe like a nine issue, you know, maxi. Of course, I wasn't going to get that because I didn't know the history behind the book before we sat down to record. So, uh, I don't know. I have a lot of mixed feelings now. I feel like you guys have excited me about a universe that exists, and the nerd collector in me now wants to embrace that. But, you know, like I said, uh, be, but, see, I... But you're still leery of being yeah, ultimately Yeah, I shot myself in the foot by loving Alan Moore's other yeah. stories. And maybe if this had been the first thing I discovered by him, it would be a different, you know, feeling. And what again. it comes down to is there's just not enough women beating in this book for you to just connect with your we've talked about your love of that in extraordinary gentlemen and other Mm. titles and it's really off-putting show feminist jonesy like just come out with it man just let's just cut it i don't know he's not even speaking i don't know know where to continue that he refuses to comment on that (laughs) he's just gonna let it go and pray that nothing is addressed oh i'm sure i can't wait to get all the hate on twitter (laughs) they're uh (laughs) reading Reading the history, it's interesting because there's a Miracle Man, uh, like, website up that presents the pages as they were originally printed in the singles, and the coloring is just, does not hold up whatsoever. It's not good. 
Hmm. So because when this was recolored, I was actually, I was interested to see what the original pages look like. And thank God that they recolored it because it's an abomination. But that wow. site also kind of detailed the history where something happens with Miracle Man. He does something that like changes the game. And then Neil Gaiman's run breaks things up into like different ages, like the Silver Age and the Bronze Age. And mm-hmm. he, I think he goes into the future and sees what the world is like after this change happens. So I'm, I'm really anxious to keep, keep going despite what I said. Yeah, it made me interested in what they were. I think I cut what from what I gathered on the wiki was the what Marvel's putting out now monthly is some of these reprints along with some stories out of the other warrior, like Miracle Man stories from the uh, collected, um, like the old I, stuff. I, I forget what I it's think, called. Yeah, yeah because the there's old like stuff. the 1950s stuff that they're adding into the background in black and white, but I think. The stuff that's being presented now, I think they're up to like issue 16. So I think the more Mm -hmm. uh, stuff is ending soon, like in the next couple months. And then Gaiman stuff comes up. Because when they first took over the rights, they said that Neil Gaiman will have his chance to finish what he started. So it sounds like they're going to be presenting new Gaiman material. Isn't that exciting? That's exciting. I mean, if Neil Gaiman legitimately... Like once, and and he wanted to. He was he tried to fight. He wanted to fight Todd McFarlane in the parking lot for it. So obviously, this is something he's he's been wanting to do. How exciting is that for Neil Gaiman? And 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 we should like educate ourselves up until that point, so we can be just as excited for Neil, our dear friend, that you know as he is getting to write and and entertain us with it. Oh, I love Miracle Man. <laughs> I truly, truly just love it. Little known fact, the original title of this podcast was The Neil Gaiman Cast, but we decided not to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you, you guys, go, you know, we go on every week about it. So we, ultimately we changed yeah. the name. Gaiman Cast. But stay tuned. Yeah. Cause, cause, I mean, we just didn't want to get any fights with Tom McFarlane <laughs> thinking he owned the rights to Neil Gaiman Cast. <laughs> So we just change the names all together. Yeah, well, that'll be a new podcast. We're subtracting uh, the Todd, Tom Cruise podcast. Sorry, everybody. G- uh, Vampire cast is, is leaving. Yes. So there you have it. Vampire <laughs> cast. Slim thinking on his feet. I was trying to delete as many Vampire shows as possible. Cast. Listen, subtraction <laughs> yeah. is always a good thing. You know, we don't have a lot of time. I'm grooming Dale. It's obvious that I'm grooming Dale as a host to take over when the time comes. Oh, now, what time is that? Listen, if you talk to my wife, it it would have been six months ago. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, Life man. Spoilers. spoilers. Oh, gosh. You know, she's not listening. Who knows? She reads more comics than I do oh, yeah. in a year. She reads more in a week. She she did tweet me live some uh, Miracle Band images, so I'm pretty oh, sure she's God, listening. It's right over. <laughs> Sleeping on the couch tonight with NHL 15. There you have it. Miracle Man. I have a feeling we're coming back to Miracle Man. Once those trades are out, you oh, know, Jonesy, yeah. much to Jonesy's chagrin, you know, maybe he'll understand what I was trying to say about the trades, what the title of the trades are before the show, instead of just <laughs> abruptly being curt <laughs> and rude to me when I was trying to explain something to him. Incorrect. If we can replay things, Jonesy, uh, the first trade was called this. Second trade, you know what? I read, I read 10 issues. <laughs> I read the 10. So we're just going to so, go with the 10. 
if that's what I'm contracted for for tonight's show. It was like Jonesy was a contractor in New York in the union, and some some tenant asked him to drill a hole for this picture of a family, and he's like, you know what? I can't do that. That's not approved. You got to talk to my uh, soup on that one. Got to talk to the union. You creep. That's what he said to those poor people. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like he said to Thank the you for world. having me. I appreciate your time. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to you. For new listeners, Mark Farrington is a former Hes- uh, host. The Hest and a host of the show, now deceased. God rest his soul. Uh, our first letter uh, comes to us from a longtime friend of the show, at That Movie Freak, and he writes, uh, Hey, Keggers, apologies for this letter being late, as I was planning to respond to your excellent episode on Sandman. My computer was out of reach, and cell service in that basement my abusive adopted parents put me in was awful. <laughs> Thankfully, it left it. It's a little better in this trunk I'm in. A few comments. Uh, Gary is 100% right with his assertions on Morpheus's actions. Morpheus is a sublime godlike being, and because of that, we're all ants. He might have our interests in the back of his mind, but his main concern is usually his own agenda. Right, de- right then, that was a... St- I can't even talk. Right then, that was stopping the two nightmares, and because of that, poor Jim gets overlooked, and Hippolyta gets left alone, husbandless. What he's very unhuman and strange, and I think Slim's reaction is proper. I think it makes him a less relatable character, yes, but also makes him a more interesting, flawed character. Uh, Sandman deserves all the hype, but unfortunately, hype can undermine a work. I think that's what happened with Slim, especially so near a Swamp Thing read-through, which I find them to be equal, but in different ways. Just gotta clear your mind, or else all that high praise will work against you. Still... If it's not your thing, that's forgivable. Jonesy, slight digression. Gaiman actually wrote two Doctor Who episodes, not for the ninth, but for the eleventh Doctor. And the ninth Doctor season isn't trash. It just needed a lot of polishing, but I'll stop before I go full rant. Okay, thanks for that kind note to me. Did I miss... I, I must have been concentrating on the fact that I couldn't hear anything because the typewriter sound was jacking up my audio <laughs> that. I missed that part of the I personally love Gaiman's use of the long game, that writing for the trade before that was a thing, you guys said. Each arc is great, but looking back on the full picture, it's an astounding feat seeing him see things in Doll's house that don't pay off until the kindly ones. I couldn't help but once every time you said pure Neil, pedantic, I know, but what are comic fans but pedantic. Uh, Overall, great app. Pure Neil. Sorry for the long letter. One last comment. Just started reading The Incal by Jordowski and Mobius. Genius work. I understand now why Mobius is so respected by the comic community. And hats off to Comixology. Those images just pop on my tablet. Gorgeous. Highly suggestive for a full book club episode. Keep up the good work, babes. Tom, that movie freak. I'm just... Thank God Dale's reading this next letter. That's classic. That's pure at that movie free. You know, those ink, the ankle volume one is, I think like 40 pages and it took me an hour to finish. It felt like it reads like a large collected work, not 40 pages. The page count throws you off. Really? Um, okay. Next up is, uh, 
titled, Thank You for Your Excellent Advice. Jonesy Dale and Slim, I would like to thank you for the advice concerning the recent Powers sale on Comixology. I didn't pick up... I did indeed pick up the first four volumes. Really wish I could have afforded the whole bundle. Me too. I was highly thinking about just putting that on some sort of charge account and worrying about it when I uh, go crawling into my bank for some consolidation (laughs) loans at some point. Um, As promised to Dale, I present my listener lightning round with a twist. Lightning haiku. Cue the Japanese flute. (laughs) Powers written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Michael Avon Oving, volume one, Who Killed Retro Girl? Never knew one could enjoy so much dialogue. Potent cop drama. Can't wait to get into the next few volumes. Until next time, that's uh, our friend Joe at Bruiser Dog on the uh, Twitter. If if you uh, will remember, he was tweeting us on a road trip. He made it over to the comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware. We thank him for moment. doing that. That was great a good moment. moment. Thanks for reading Powers. That's awesome that you loved the first volume. It's amazing. Yeah. Really sparked uh, sparked the love I have for comics now. Do you have the date marked in your calendar for episode one of Powers on PlayStation Network? Do you have that date circled? No, I don't. I don't. I'd need some sort of PlayStation di- device. I'd probably need to pay for PlayStation First Plus. First episode will be free on the YouTube. Of... Oh, okay. That's good. That's good to know that. That's what Twitter's for. I'll see some sort of retweet come across my timeline. The end That's of March now. is all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying right now. People. Mm-hmm. I mean, do we have a firm date? State the end. That's all we can say right now. A lot of things in motion. We we can't even. Uh, we can. Oh man, we're we're speaking even less about next week's show, which is rapidly approaching. Big episode next week. Hugest. Do we, episode. Do we have a book club yet? Is it over the wire? Is it confirmed? Let me just tell you it it uh, it could be the biggest show we've ever done. So I think that's I the first time Dale has ever said that quote, so it might be real this time. <laughs> Next week, batten down the hatches. Yeah, the uh, book club is up. We're trying to figure that out right now, but we will decide on one. You know us. We can't ever decide on things like this unless it's um, mapped out for us ahead of time. We can't decide these kinds of things on air. You know? We'll see everybody next week timeline i i will almost 
go erase that Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary thing off my DVR right now because my timeline is just too encumbered with one-liners and bits about what they're seeing. Did you really take a 14-hour mega shot? (laughs) You mean show sponsor Nitro to go? 14-hour mega shot. Right. Get in there. God. Well, let's get a little. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they could use that mega shots. I only took glory. half of it, so seven no, hours. I was just say two yeah, servings for bottles. Well, so within my doctor's recommended mega shot serving size. Right. Probably hear your heartbeat in your own earbuds <laughs> right now. Uh, you know what I read this week. Thanks for asking. Uh, we just released a Batman collection, like a Birth of the Demon. And it collected a Batman book that I knew about for years. It was like a sort of Elseworlds, um, Raz al Ghul story with Batman and uh, Talia having a kid. But like, so it preceded Damien by like 20 years. It was really good. Whoa. Yeah, it was really good. Was it? She like gave the kid up for adoption at the end, so I think it like it, it was never like they they wrote it off. It's not really canon or whatever. But then mm-hmm. there was also a that one wasn't fit to be in the League of Shadows, no, is it? Not the um. There's also a Norm Brayfogle story, but it was like it was almost like painted mm-hmm. by Norm Brayfogle. It's really cool looking. It talked about oh, wow. Raz Al Ghul's origin. Now, when you say you released a collection, does that mean you released a batch of single issues or you released like a, a collected, collected work. works? It had a, a, like a new cover by uh, Andy Kubert. Uh, let me see here. I might have deleted it. Uh, Birth of the Demon, Batman. You know what else I really liked is that uh, Divinity. From Valiant. Oh, did you? I wanted. To, I wanted to read that. I, I didn't think that get was a my pick of the week. Is that the? Mm-hmm. That's Valiant, right? Mm. Have to check that out. Jonesy, what's your pick of the week? Uh, War Stories by Garth Ennis. Hmm. Just uh, it always provides just some of the best real life ish. Storytelling, uh, and I like the fact that it only tells the story in two or three issues. There's no long arcs, so this one is two of three, and it deals with it uh, deals with the um, Israeli Syrian war. I think in the late seventy seventy seven. I think it references in the book. So it's uh, you see it from all sides. Like it's not like the first set was World War Two. You know, an American transplant in the UK. Now we have a um, the kind of career of this cowardly Israeli captain, like tank corps captain, as he kind of comes of age, and this kind of uh, hard nosed sergeant that keeps him on track. And uh, it's pretty great. I mean, if if you like, <laughs> like this is probably the closest we're going to get to band of brothers type war tell uh, storytelling in comics. So it's. Fantastic uh, read. I recommend it highly. P- Pure Ennis, probably. Yeah. 
Hugh or Neil. That just sounds funny, too. What about you, Dale underscore A? Pureness. Pick of the week. Oh, my. Balloon knot. I, um... (laughs) (laughs) Honest to goodness, I did not read any of comics yet. How did you feel about that? (laughs) If you felt pretty great. It's pretty freeing, right? That's a dream life you're living over there. No, no, because I, I fell asleep three nights this week trying to read Miracle Man. So I would have read the comics if I, cause I was like, let me get this Miracle Man out of the way. Cue Valentine's Night mm-hmm. watching it. Cue Valentine's Night. romantic. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, this. Not as romantic as, uh, at nine, at when 9 p.m. my wife arrived with my stepmom and a, uh, unbuilt dining room table in the back of her truck (laughs) because they got it on sale so i guess what i was doing at 10 o'clock last night building a (laughs) cut that out that's that's not gonna make that's not gonna make the master file right we're gonna that's get that in post as they say (laughs) hot uh over the wire uh at jim lynn for pope Wishing congratulations to Jonesy for PK192. As discussed, Jonesy is hosting that episode in full. Can't wait myself. It looks like we did just get a letter. Do we want to say that next week? We can do it now. Who gives a hoot? Go ahead, Dale. If I may be so bold. Um, Paper kegels. Paper kegels. Oh, God, I'm going to throw up. Did any of you read the singles for Miracle Man? They were resplendent in back matter. I'd say they probably went overboard. I did enjoy the absurd, uh, uh, absurd <laughs> quantity of retconning done by the original Arthur. Arthur. Oh, yeah, what did he mean? I know you guys do focus on the big two, but if you were going to recommend a single DC book that I should add to my pool list, but were you going to? But if you were g- pool list question mark, he just stops it there. The last new DC book I tried to read monthly was Batman Superman and was hyped for that pack lay J Lee lay combo, but was let down. What would you suggest? A Batman book? Which one? Letter Colin Lightning Round, Rumble number two. After reading Rumble number one, I was assuming a totally different direction for number two. I was pleasantly surprised. Letter Colin Fanfic, Spider Gwen survives the Secret Wars, she and Squirrel Girl Hang out and eat pizza. I don't know. Jonesy is the only real Arthur here. Arthur. 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 Give up. Had Jim <laughs> One of the most incomprehensible Arthur, letter Arthur. reads in the history of this show. <laughs> and topping the one I just did because I couldn't get poor uh, Rankin's email right for S. Good Moses. A lot of, a lot of digest in that yeah, letter. Poor. We didn't even mention that Alan Moore refused to have his name on the work that we read. Only described as the original yeah. writer. And I think there was even a section because we didn't even talk about how there was an issue. Like Eclipse, the publisher at the time, was flooded their 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 offices. So they couldn't publish an issue. So they had like this weird fill-in issue where the editor was talking to the reader. And I think his name was cut out of that. <laughs> and, um, oh yeah, too much back matter. The trade has it all. Trade, it, But it's all oh, after yeah. the issue. So you finish an issue, you have like another 20 pages, 20 or 30 pages before you get to the next issue on in digital. It just felt so weird. It's bad. It's real bad. What else was in there? I just heard a lot of gibberish. 
Uh, would you recommend what DC monthly Batman. book would you recommend? Yeah, same until it ends next month. And oh, uh, no, I think there's two more parts for Endgame. No, oh, is there, I thought there was one more, but I don't think but they. End, I don't think they're Kapoor stopping at Endgame. I think I don't think they are. I thought that we were pretty sure that's their last hurrah. I think they're stopping this year, but I don't know what issue it is. Oh. Mm. Um, at is reading. The Owls, Court of the Owls, and Part Trade Two. How about that cliffhanger in the last issue? Ooh, that's good. What? Pack Lay, Lee Lay, uh, Superman, Batman. He spelled it L A E, which is probably J Lee. J J is J A E, right? So maybe he was just combining the names. There's a lot, though, but there, it made me there sound was like a lot an going idiot. on that letter. A lot. If he's not reading Batman now, what's he even doing? Jim Lind. I don't know. I, was that a troll letter? I I don't understand. I feel like he's setting this up. I'm, I don't. I'm not reading it. Come on, guys, don't judge. Never, never, friend. Can we just go back and post and sure good. Just have me saying that I liked Miracle Man, so I don't sound like a total d bag. Breaking this news. Entire Kitoma. 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 Uh, I just wanted to see whoops. where that was going to go. I didn't want to interrupt and grab <laughs> Well, it was really the look, the slow smile on your face that alerted me that I wasn't saying it the right way. You know, you've got Miracle Man, Young Kimoda. Miracle Man, and the rest. <laughs> How do more. you not remember one more miracle kid person? or Young? That's like the only two characters you need to know about in this book. <laughs> Can't know it all, uh, Slim. Too busy reading can't Batman. Know it all. I just want to pour one out uh, before we end the show. Tragic loss this week to our Paper Cake Facebook, which hasn't been updated since December fourth. Oh, so, uh, let me ask: Who is in charge of that out. Facebook? <laughs> Might delete that page. <laughs> like, I, mean, I actually wouldn't have a problem with that if we deleted that page. Okay, that's good to know. I actually saw it the other day, and I just remembered. I was like, "What? I haven't. I don't think I've seen a lot of paper cake Facebook." And I was, "Oh yeah, might have been around the same time where you retired from Facebook. You retired from the Facebook game, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's exactly when it when it was. We're all the better for it. If I can be honest with you, strengthen strength. Our friendship never strengthened. Tired. It's only going to get stronger when Jonesy hosts one ninety two in two weeks." Do I have to? <sighs> God. I mean, I think when I hosted last time, it was the lowest numbers we'd ever received for an episode. <laughs> the lowest numbers. I mean, there's just a graph of me downloading it four times to try to get the numbers up, and then that was it. 